1: Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We welcome in, from Business Insider, Dave Leventhal. Dave, welcome. Happy Sunday.
0: Happy Sunday. Go Bills, even though we're you know not going to have the enjoyment and the pleasure of a victory until tomorrow.
1: Uh, I, tom- next Sunday is going to be so weird because we'll finally have a 1 o'clock game.
0: Hey, look, if they could play at 2.30 a.m. on Wednesday mornings every week for the rest of the year, and as long as they get a W at the end of it, I'd be okay with that.
1: Yeah. Hey, Dave, right before we had you on, the mayor of Buffalo, Byron Brown, promised us that that, that Super Bowl parade downtown is going to be the biggest parade we ever saw downtown, and I uh, I believe him
0: 100%. I mean, a buddy of mine, Ernie Green from Norton Wanda, and I have been talking about that parade for literally... 25 years. So uh, I, the, the mayor better make that happen because we're both going to be back for it.
1: Oh, I, I, I think it'll happen. I'm, I'm quite excited for it. Now, Dave, you guys over at Business Insider have uh, launched the, uh, the special Red, White and Gray. Um, I've been looking into it. You've been tweeting a lot about it. Uh, tell us the, the general idea of this uh, special Red, White and Gray from Business Insider.
0: It's a project that has more than 30 deep dive articles, data visualizations, videos. And and the bottom line is this. Uh, It it will come as no surprise to you that America's leaders here in Washington, D.C. are pretty old. But what we're finding and what our data analysis has shown is that this is actually the oldest Congress that we have ever had in the history of the United States. And the gap between those who are leading and those who are being led is as wide as it ever has been. And Joe, it's coming at a time when you have a number of different issues of profound importance to the nation. That might be technology, it might be social issues, civil rights, energy, the environment. Uh, Those are largely in the hands of people who uh, are in their 70s and their 80s. You You just look at the Democratic leadership in the House, for example, Nancy Pelosi, Steny Hoyer, James Clyburn, they're all over the age of 80, And it raises the question, which we explore in this project, of what, what are the costs, what are the benefits, and, and what are the dangers? So uh, we've, uh, <laughs> we've had a whole week of, uh, of, of going through this, and we've gotten a ton of reaction. Uh, and a lot of people in a poll that we uh, just published uh, over the weekend, um, most Americans, whether you're a Republican, whether you're a Democrat, or whether you're an Independent, there's actually unanimity around the issue of feeling that the government, in their opinion, uh is too old and that something should be done about that whether that's age caps for congress term limits for the government for elected office that that those are viable options in their opinion that they think should be explored
1: you know you mentioned that polling dave and i was kind of surprised by this um one of the questions is should the president have to take a physical and mental assessment in order to serve in office and i find the older you got the more people said yes
0: yeah, and, and that was probably one of the more surprising uh, aspects of, of this very multifaceted poll that we did with Morning Consult, a uh, data and polling company that we worked with uh, on this. And, yeah, if, if you're 20, 30, you are less inclined to think that uh, that should be something a president should have to undergo. If you are 45 or up, you think that's a better idea, by and large. And what what is truth right now is that uh, the president – that is under no obligation to have a physical exam or a mental exam or anything of that sort that is publicly released uh, or or even that happens in the first place. Now, Donald Trump and Joe Biden, and you can go back to Barack Obama and George W. Bush, They they have released information periodically from time to time about health assessments that they've gone through. But again, they're under no obligation to do so and oftentimes have been criticized for the scant information that was actually produced uh, when the uh, public version of those medical examinations were indeed made public.
1: You know, and it's interesting, the the percentage in favor of a minimum and maximum age. Uh, Members of Congress are second on the list to pilots. Now, I realize that, you know, member of Congress, president, not the same thing. But, you know, we we are talking about leaders in Washington. 75 percent of those polled say there should be a max age in the member of Congress uh, but there's a good chance that in 2024 we will be voting between two main party candidates, both in their 80s. Yeah,
0: and there are retirement ages, mandatory retirement ages for lots of different things. Uh, that includes you, know, you just mentioned it: pilots, uh, military generals, uh, uh, justices, and state supreme courts. So it would be a political office or a governmental office that that applies to in certain states. But Congress, definitely, you can serve. So you're in your 90s. Uh, think back to Strum Thurmond, the senator from South Carolina. He served and uh, passed his 100th birthday. And uh, we have an upcoming story that's going to discuss the federal judiciary, which uh, talks uh, in great detail about federal judges who are serving into their 90s or even in one extreme case until he was 104 years old hearing cases. And, you know, on one hand, people might say, well, well look, you know, this, this sounds kind of ageist. And, and this uh, I don't like the idea of actually having – Any type of maximum age limit uh, for a public office or for a governmental office. And a very viable opinion. uh, At the same time, too, there are many, many questions that have arisen about uh, government either being out of touch or uh, people serving. Um, You know, frankly, as uh, thorny as an issue as it is, past their prime. And we've seen this, for example, with uh, many, many reports about Senator Dianne Feinstein, a Democrat of California, who uh, very objectively has uh, been been struggling with certain aspects of her her job or being able to to remember different uh, things that are going on in the course of her service uh, in Congress. So it's uncomfortable. This is not an issue that makes people feel particularly good by any measure. But at the same time too, this is our government and these are our leaders. And if we are not getting the best from them, uh, then it's a very legitimate question to uh, to raise in, in the course of doing kind of journalistic work that we're trying to do.
1: And, and it's not all members of Congress, Dave. You guys also spoke with uh, former members of Congress who decided, hey, my age is starting to show. Maybe it, 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 it's time to step down. Um, you talked with them, but what they say seems very different than what current members of Congress say when age is ever brought up.
0: Yeah, there's there's a wild difference of opinion even among um, members of Congress or former members of Congress who are now either serving or who have served and are in their 70s or 80s. Some say, no, you you shouldn't limit me. And Chuck Grassley, the senator from uh, Iowa who is 88 and running again, I mean, he's told us straight up. I think one of my greatest advantages, I'm paraphrasing Amir, but I think one of my greatest advantages is that I have seniority. I have experience. I'm going to do a great job for my constituents, and they should vote for me as a result of that. We did talk to other members, former members of Congress, uh, who stepped away kind of in their political primes because they felt like, well, you know, it's not worth it anymore. Or I could be doing a better job or or providing a greater value to, uh, to society or to my state or country by doing something else, uh, whether that be in academia or advocacy uh, or, or just simply retiring and enjoying their lives. So that's, uh, that's definitely a, a very interesting kind of cross-current there that we've heard from members. And, and I would add, too, that my colleague Kimberly Leonard, uh, one of our reporters who's based in Florida, she's writing about lots of very interesting stuff, including Governor Ron DeSantis all the time, she wrote a fascinating story about uh, the medical aspects of this, and there are definitely people who are in their 80s. Neuroscience backs us up, who are called superagers, and you know their brains literally function differently than the brains of the average 85 or 90-year-old. Uh, and it gets into to really the, the medical and the neuroscience uh, behind that. Uh, in a way that uh, I, frankly, had uh, never even known before. And I think a lot of people will be surprised by the results of, uh, of, of what comes out of uh, Kimberly's findings in her article.
1: Dave, I I wonder back to that polling, you know, that showed that a majority of Americans uh, think there should be an age limit. If party leaders have reacted to this again, thinking of not only the midterms coming up in a few months, but you know, the presidential election in twenty twenty four, it seems like this is the language of most people. Like, hey, you know, when you get to a certain age, maybe it's time to to you know step aside, say, hey, what I've done, I've done. But we get to that election and. More times than not, we have two people who, I mean, I hate to be mean, but are, are past their prime.
0: And there's reasons for that. Uh, number one, there are no term limits, of course. If there were in Congress, then we would have a very different situation, and you would have to step away after a period of time. It might be eight years, ten years, a dozen years, but not something that Congress right now is is giving active thought to, even there ha- even though there have been pieces of legislation, both from the right and from the left, that uh, have said we should pass a law to limit Congress from serving uh, forever. We, we should pass a constitutional amendment, but it's pretty much been DOA in terms of those pieces of legislation. And uh, so, you know, where does that leave us? Uh, well, it, it leaves us in this kind of current situation. Money is a huge issue. Uh, we We showed statistically that if you are an incumbent, you are able to raise a heck of a lot more money on average than your challenger. And well, what happens? That money gives you an advantage. And between about 85 and 95 percent of members of Congress, when they run for reelection, they win. So it's very difficult to knock somebody who's already there out of Congress. And then gerrymandering is an issue, too. And if you have a, a district that is gerrymandered to either uh, favor Republicans or favor Democrats, then it's going to be that much more difficult for somebody from the opposite party uh, to go ahead and and knock you out there, too. So there are sort of these structural, intrinsic uh, reinforcements, if you will, Joe, that that really make it, uh, again, that much more uh, difficult for, for voters to uh, to kick somebody out who's uh, already in. So that's uh, that, that's definitely an issue that, that kind of undergirds all of
1: this. Well Dave, we uh we look forward to continuing to see this um like I said the those poll numbers overall didn't uh surprise me. What surprised me and what I think is very telling are the people who have age, the people who are in their 60s and 70s are the ones who are saying, "Hey, you know, if you're going to if you're going to be the president, you should have to go through these checks." And who else would know than people who are the same age as the people they're talking about? That's what I took away from it.
0: Yeah, and uh, some of the feedback that we've gotten has been along the same lines. Not surprised by the overall findings, but surprised by when you dig down a a layer, what what exactly is being said by who.
1: Now, I have to say, uh, another part of this is something, um, uh, an article that you tweeted out a few hours ago, and – Something that we just um, dealt with, not for the same reason um, as was mentioned in this article, but special elections. And the title of the article is Special Elections Are Confusing, Chaotic Mess That Bleed Taxpayers. Now, we just saw this in Tom Reed's district, and you want to talk about confusing, Dave. I mean, we you were voting for the old district's last five months. And then the new district's primaries. Uh, but these are becoming more and more uh, regular around the country, these special elections uh, in between the two-year elections.
0: Yeah, and, and that's exactly what this article from Grace Panetta, another one of my colleagues, explored was the fact that the things are the trajectory of special elections in terms of their frequency has been going up. And and we explore the reasons why. Now, uh, you, you mentioned one reason which uh, – Didn't have to do with uh, one of the other points of all of this, which is somebody stepping away um, because of kind of a difficult political situation that they found themselves in. But overall, we found that special elections and it's really kind of struck to the heart of our red, white and gray project as well. These special elections could have been avoided. And it's because somebody either was serving in office and they, they were Aged and they became unwell and they had to step away Uh, or they died in office. We saw this with Representative Don Young, who was 88 years old and was on a plane going back to Alaska, which he had represented for the better part of 50 years. And he died on the flight, uh, which has caused a special election that had very similar to the district in New York that you just cited. uh, Four different votes that have taken place in the span of about. Six months or or will come November. And uh, this is the one with Sarah Palin. And you you might have heard of Santa Claus running in this race. I mean, yes, it it has been absolutely chaotic. It is very expensive. It is very confusing. Taxpayers end up paying uh, more money than they would have otherwise uh, because of these special elections. Now, special elections can't be entirely avoided, and you want to have a special election if a seat opens up, because otherwise you're not going to have representation in Congress uh, for your district, for your for your area. But at the same time, too, if you're having them over and over and over again, and they could be avoided, then that's something that the people may yeah. want to also take into consideration uh, in the sense that it is going to lessen the confusion, and it is going to lessen the cost, and government is ostensibly going to run a little bit more efficiently as a result.
1: Now, uh, speaking of politicians in their 80s, the president is heading over to the U.K. for the funeral of Queen Elizabeth, correct?
0: He, he is. And uh, we, we uh, wrote a credible article, uh, if I may say so myself, uh, about Joe Biden, uh, who's going to be turning 80 later this year. If he is elected in 2024, he will be 82. And if he serves to the end of his second term, were he to get one? That would be in 2029, and he'd be 86 years old. So he is going over to uh, to, to with uh, Jill Biden, his wife, uh, to uh, to mourn the loss of uh, Queen Elizabeth II, and uh, in what is going to be, uh, I would imagine, one of the more dramatic uh, international moments that we've seen in many, many years, uh, given that. Many of us uh, have only known uh, one Queen of England uh, throughout our entire lives, uh, or, or our parents even have known only one Queen of England throughout their entire lives. So for her to, of course, have died and uh, for her funeral to be coming up uh, just tomorrow is uh, going to be a, a very momentous and, and dramatic moment, for sure.
1: Now, what is this, uh, this memorial that is happening Wednesday uh, that I saw former President Trump was invited to? Uh, it's, it's a stateside memorial for the Queen? Yeah,
0: you know, I, I am uh, definitely not uh, the uh, the authority and expert on the British monarchy here, but that does appear to be the case. I don't have all the details about this, but what has been happening, uh, at least in Buckingham Palace uh, and among the royals here, is uh, that, that there have been a whole series of, of different events and commemorations that have uh, had invites for different people at different times. And that even includes members of the royal family, Itself, So it uh, is very much steeped in tradition. It is steeped very much in the internal politics uh, of the royal family. And it's all, of course, playing out, Joe, on the most international of scenes, given the sort of international obsession with the royal family as it is.
1: And I can't let you go without asking you about uh, something we talked in the first segment today, and that is uh, undocumented immigrants being sent to Martha's Vineyard, uh, being sent to the vice president's residence while she was right here in Buffalo, Dave. And it sounds like this is going to continue.
0: It very much is going to continue, and uh, it's going to be driven by many of the governors uh, or at least some of the governors in border states, uh, whether that be Texas or Florida or others. And, you know, Joe, I mean, it's a it's a very uh, it's a very dramatic uh, situation in and of itself. Uh, obviously, the governors like Ron DeSantis most recently are trying to prove a point and uh, trying to say, well, look, you know, all you liberals in Martha's Vineyard. Well, uh, you know, you uh you're going to love what's going to happen when uh, undocumented immigrants come and are on your play island uh, up in Massachusetts. Uh, but it was very curious to see what happened there. Now, Martha here. I don't know how many people have been there. I've been there a couple of times for covering political uh, events. And it, it's sort of a, a tale of two worlds. You, you have the people with their giant yachts and their multimillion dollar houses who come there for the summer and, and party it up. But you also have... A uh, year-round residents uh, who are there, and they're they're not at all wealthy. Uh, in fact, uh, in many cases, they're they're the people who are serving, you know, lunch at restaurants, and who are doing the work of uh, what's a very down-to-earth community if it's December or whatnot, and. You know, uh, it's uh, it's been curious to see how they've reacted and opened their arms to those who've been flown to their island uh, and and, you know, effectively taking care of them here in Washington. Very similar. You know, there's a lot of neighborhoods here in Washington, D.C., even though it's a seat of power that are very modest or very poor. And the same thing that's been happening. So it's a tough situation because uh, oftentimes I talk to voters, I talk to people who are like, well, we just can't have this happen. We have to close our border. We have to deal with this influx of people who are not legally supposed to be here. And that kind of, you know, on a Sunday morning, like uh, it is today, you might be going to church or coming back and thinking of, You know, passages that you've heard uh, from Exodus or Deuteronomy or Leviticus or Jeremiah or probably the most famous one from the book of Matthew. You know, I was a stranger in your land and you invited me in. So there are definitely religious overtones to this. Uh, There are definitely political undertones to all of it. And we're dealing with people here, uh, people who may come from another country, may not speak the language that we speak, but at the same time, too. We're often fleeing very, very harrowing situations, and particularly Venezuela, which uh, by all indications is uh, a failed state among failed states. Uh, and people are just trying to do what uh, is best for their family, even if it's illegal in the eyes of the law here in the United States.
1: Hey, beside the Bills game uh, this week, anything we should be looking forward to out of D.C. in the uh, coming days?
0: Well, th- th- this is not fun, but uh, nevertheless, something that the government is going to have to be dealing with, uh, which is funding the government. I know we seem to talk about this every six, eight, 12 months, uh, but this is another situation that is going to be similar to the ones that we have had many times in the past where Congress is going to have to come together and at least uh, temporarily figure out uh, a, a a bill, a provision to go ahead and keep the government funded. And if it doesn't, then we could be very much uh, talking about potential partial or full government shutdowns again. Now, the the word is, uh, when we talk to the folks that we do, that both sides are at least uh, looking to work together to try to avoid this and try to at least kick the can, proverbial can down the road to, to pass uh, the election in November. But uh, it's never a great situation when we're effectively playing a, a game of chicken with ourselves here and nobody really wins if you pass that
1: deadline. Dave, you got to be feeling pretty good today after that Syracuse win yesterday.
0: I'm mean, is a is uh, a proud member of Orange Nation and uh, graduate of Syracuse University, being three and O and feeling like uh, football is kind of back in a way that it hasn't been since I was there in college. That's uh, that that is feeling pretty good. So, I, yeah, not a not a bad football weekend for for us who who got the Buffalo Syracuse connection.
1: I uh, my my buddy has seasons at the at the dome and um, we were he was trying to find six wins. You know, to get Bull eligible. And now he's like, I found the six wins, and Notre Dame might also be uh, beatable after what we've seen for the first three weeks.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's pretty good after three games to be halfway to that, that, that magical six number. So we'll, we'll see how it keeps going. But uh, yeah, feeling pretty good right now. All
1: right. And Dave, uh, do, do you think the Bills will uh, have a good chance in Orchard Park tomorrow?
0: I, I think the the bills are going to be two and zero oh, uh, when when we are all going to bed at uh, you know 11:30 on uh, Monday night or uh, some of us perhaps two or three in the morning because we are just
1: that excited. I know. Hey, the the good news for me is I'm going to get almost no sleep on Tuesday. However, I get to call you because you'll be on with uh, Susan Rose and Brian Mazurowski Tuesday morning.
0: I'm sure that's going to be a lit conversation that we have, Joe, on Tuesday morning. I, I have no doubt about that.
1: I look forward to it as always. Dave, have a great Sunday afternoon. I thank you for joining me. You as
0: well. Thanks a lot, Joe. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions
1: in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bitch. Music. You said my word.